You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Guys, we are professionals here. Oh, well. Do you guys hear it? Because I don't. You guys hear it? Oh, sweet. Well, welcome to Practically Pastoring. I can't hear the intro music, but everyone else can. And uh, I'm up here in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm Frank Gill over in Baltimore, Maryland. We got Jeffrey Simpson. Hello, hello, everyone. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, we got Delmar Pete. Hello. And together in the morning after ministry studios, we got Andrew Larson. Greetings and salutations. And Timothy Miller. How about a little Duval? <laughs> Well, guys, I have COVID, and I guess hearing loss is a part of it because I can't hear the intro music. But uh, you guys can, so I'm glad that you guys. But are can here. you taste food? I can taste food. I can smell, but well, I couldn't hear the intro. Good. I couldn't hear the intro. Yeah. But how you guys doing? Um, we're good up here in Baltimore. Everybody's healthy. Um, my district superintendent visited yesterday, so of course I felt like the principal was watching. But everything was fine, and everything was good. We had uh, attendance was up a little bit, and we had a new person doing announcements yesterday. It's the first time we've done announcements in the service for a long time. And uh, this person has also been a, um afternoon radio host on the Christian radio station. So them announcements were smooth like butter. I mean, it was like, it was wow. It was a wow factor for how smooth those announcements were. She even added stuff in about like the mission and vision of the church. I didn't even ask her to do, but she just worked it right in. I mean, it was amazing. So, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And um, then went out to lunch afterwards with some folks. And overall, it was a good weekend. I just uh, finished interviewing at the high school. So I'm going to be uh, assistant baseball coach at the high school here down the street. So that'll be fun in the springtime. It'll be busy, but it'll be fun. Let's yeah, go. Eastbound and down that's jokes awesome. can start now. Yes. Yeah. You're going to grow out the mullet. You need to. You need to. Uh, it's necessary. Yeah. It's I necessary. want Jeff. Grow the mullet. Start I want, dipping. All that I, stuff. I want a minimum of three base storms where he goes and kicks dirt on the mound and uh, on the base and yells oh, at the, co- dude, yells yes. at the coach. I mean, where the ref yes. yells at the ref. Yeah. And he just like sticks his belly out. Like it won't hit him, but he just sticks his belly out mm-hmm. the ref. I want. I want to see that. Man, I can't remember the name, but there is a guy. There's a minor league coach that's famous on YouTube for his like crazy arguments. I got to find it and send it to you guys. It's amazing. That see, that's why I don't want robo umps. Uh. Like you, lose, if sports is entertainment, which it is, especially professional sports, and you go to robo umps in baseball, when are you going to have the like heated argument because of injustice that you know? You it's like fight. an outlet for our culture. You can't fight AI. You can't fight a robot. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew and Tim, how was your Sunday? It was good for me. Uh, probably not as good as it was for Tim. I'm sure he'll get into that in a little bit. But we, uh, you know, kicking off the, the new year strong. Keep expecting there to be a big dip in attendance, and it hasn't happened yet. So that's a good thing. And uh, it was a good Sunday. Yeah, ours was... it. It was a very strange Sunday for me, I'll admit. I'm I'm typically an, an early to bed, early to rise, night before I preach guy. Obviously, there was a special situation on Saturday night. So I was in Jacksonville <clears throat> till about midnight, drove home through the night, 
um, tried to sleep. I mean, you know how it is when, when you're already a little wired and amped, slept a little bit, preached both services on Sunday, really didn't crash till last night, feel decent today, not not great, not terrible. Um, but I love that drive all all, from, uh, from Jacksonville to where you are. So I went from, and thankfully there was no traffic on the way back, so I went from the Jaguar Stadium to my front door with no stops and three hours flat, which really wasn't that bad. So we left at midnight, got home at 3 a.m., uh, got, you know, three, four hours of sleep, which, you know, if you do every now and then, not a big deal. Could I do that regularly? No, gosh, no. But every now and then, I not a huge deal. So ended up being an awesome Sunday, kicked off John 17. So kind of a new year, three week mini series on prayer. We're, we're going through the gospel of John. So we're just going to slow down in John 17. So it ended up being a really sweet Sunday. Uh, had some had some congregational prayer at the tail end of the sermon that just went, you know, I, I didn't know how it was going to go, but it went way better than I was hoping or praying for. Everyone really responded well. So we'll continue with it was guided prayer prompt style, you know, so like there was some subtle music in the background. There was prompts on the screen that I would read through and then read some scripture over and then we would pray. And huge shout prayers, out to Timmy. Jeff. Bidding, bidding prayers is what we call it. Jeff, you recommended that that transformational worship uh, book. I've been reading oh, through yeah. it, man. It has, good dude, stuff, it right? has been so good, buddy. Thank and you And what's for that. wild is well, like the, the guy that wrote it was um, on staff at whoa, like whoa, back up. Willow what, Creek. What book? Fill us in. Yeah, I know, dude. So you don't think of that stuff coming from there, but hey. when he said that, and I was like, "And this is the rec." Oh, okay, yeah, it was. It's really yep. solid. We're, we're, I'm about mm, maybe halfway through. I recommend it on the podcast it to my I elders. Think, yeah, I'm pitching it maybe to my elders on, on week Friday night. Meeting should listen. Maybe it was during our book recommendations. You had one. You just oh, weren't okay. paying attention. It's good. So yeah, all all that to say, um, I, I'm doing it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again this week. I reached out to my elders today. I said, hey, guys, the, the schedule came out. This is so rare for me. I don't ask this. This is a bizarre request. But are you okay if I basically replicate this past weekend, go to the game on Saturday night, and then drive home through the night to preach on Sunday morning? And they said, yeah, fine with us. They said, honestly, Tim, we, we couldn't tell. Like They said everything went great on Sunday, didn't affect us, as long as you feel like you can do it. And I was just honest with them. I said, look, I, I'm fine with it, but I wanted to get permission from you because you are my elders, and I didn't want you to think I'm trying to you know, do something behind your backs. And they were all good with it. They know it's not a regular thing. It's probably going to be our last home playoff game for a, a while, at least a year. So, Probably a decade. Could be a decade, no, which is Tim, honestly, that's why I don't want to miss. Tim, do, do your elders know like how impatient you were with your wife and kids? I mean, because that's a factor too, right? I mean. You told us, oh, they, I mean, but did you tell them? They, they'll, they'll find out. <laughs> from lack of sleep. My, my wife's actually... From lack of sleep. Yeah. Oh, I know. My wife's going with me on Saturday night, so she's stoked. Dude, it looked like great memories with your kids, though. Didn't one of your boys come oh, with for you, sure. right? We're your gonna, Aaron was with me on this one. Yeah. We're going to bring up the Jaguars in a second, but Dell, how was your uh, Sunday? Yeah, church was good for us. Kind of like y'all, things have been up, and it was up again yesterday. We had several new new families, which was nice. So on the whole, uh, yesterday I preached. So uh, I was finishing up a, just a two-part series on uh, basically we got into original federal headship yesterday and all that. That was good. And then uh, beyond that, I'm pretty excited because we have like a little staff bathroom and we've got cleared to go full bidet in the bathroom. So uh, it's a it's a good day. It's a good day. 
Um, I don't know if I feel comfortable using a a, a, a bidet used by more than just uh, me and, and my wife. That feels weird. Well, I mean, you touch toilet paper I mean, rolls that were yeah. touched by other people. I, mean, I don't know, right? man. When water's involved, it feels like a different dimension. Bro, what, what do you do with but, your bidet? Uh, t- <laughs> huh? No, I said, I mean, what do you do I, with yeah, your bidet? No one else uses... <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Jeff says he but, has um, a heated one. So I'm, I'm pretty... I'm pretty, you know, inquisitive about that. Listen, we've have we have too many podcasts <laughs> at Practically Pastoring just about bidets that I don't we don't need to make another one. So, so real quick we though, need to, we I've had no less so you can than do a like, keyword search. Yeah, I've had like four or five of those pastors tell me they've got one and it's changed their life. So, bidets are great. Like, I don't. I don't think it's. Yeah, it's good. It, it is practically pastoring advice. Um. Uh, guys, I started uh, my last semester of school um, for my master's program, um, but I'm doing something different. Usually, it's one class at a time. I'm doing two classes at a time right now, so uh, I'm taking a counseling class and a leadership class, but by uh, the end of February, I'm done, and I have my ma- I got MA after my name. Which, Can we start calling you master? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll take that. And Andrew, we should be calling you master as well, right? And Tim. Didn't you just graduate, Tim? And Dell. I did. I got my master's. And That's right. I'm and all left out, man. I, but well, ironically, I start class one of master's degree tonight. Nice. So there we go. So. Nice. We're all what, what's your first class? A bunch of educated boys here. Um, spiritual care and pastoral care. <laughs> spiritual care and pastoral care. Yep. Nice, nice. Well, hey, um, uh, let's talk about some uh, events that happened Uh over the past week, uh, there was a uh, uh, obviously a tragic event that happened. Was it? La- it was last Monday night, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Demar Hamlin's uh, injury that led him to uh, you know, lay out. I mean, he, he looked like he passed away. I mean, they had to do CPR and um, uh, what was that thing called? Did they put it on your chest and pump electricity. Just defibrillator. Like, uh, yeah, they did defibrillator. I An mean, like, AED. AED, yep. yeah, I mean, like, just tra- like, horrifying. I mean, and it looked like from such a normal play, like an, an uneventful tackle. Um, so from there, something interesting happened this past week that I don't think I've seen in, in years. Uh, a lot of people have brought up God and prayer and have prayed publicly for uh, DeMar in that situation. Um, I have this linked in the show notes at the Titus Jaguars game. Um, it seemed like, and Tim, you could you were there, so you could tell me the two teams before the game gathered on the field and prayed. I'm guessing for the game and for Demar. Yeah, so they actually they like all, all both teams like look like everyone came out gathered right at midfield and just knelt down and spent three or four minutes in prayer. The stadium was completely silent. I mean, I I was praying in that moment too. And you could just, you could just feel it, dude. It was, it was a really cool scene. I I hope and pray they were praying to the one true God, of course, but um, it it was a, it was a really cool scene to be a part of for sure. Sure. Um, I, I haven't seen a scene like that since like high school football, like high school football, you see scenes where you see like both teams, Mm -hmm. but like you don't see that in college and you definitely don't see that in the pros. Um, but it's, it was just an interesting scene. And then you've heard people talk about prayer and the Lord and giving glory to God. And, um, there's a, there's a clip 
um, that was on NFL Live that I want to play for you. Can you guys do me a favor when I play this clip? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear it, because I don't know if I'm going to be able to hear it. Um, and I want to play the full YouTube clip, uh, because I think it's pretty interesting. Um, football gave me everything. You know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. DeMar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace, if we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 It's beautiful. Respectfully. We will continue to cover this story. We'll continue to bring you all the updates that we have. And as usual, we'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. I'll just reiterate how secondary football is in all of this. We are thinking and praying, as you've seen here, for DeMar Hamlin and his family and truly hoping for some better news. So what do, we, what do we do with this? Like, there's prayer happening everywhere, people talking about the Lord and sports, and it just seems like, I, I, you know, some, I was talking to a, a guy in my, in my church who's a big Bills fan, and I was talking about this, and he said that this situation in a very small way, like at least maybe in the context of sports, feels like 9-11, where like everybody's just kind of like unifying together over one thing. Now, obviously there's like people who are saying crazy things. I know Jeff and I were talking about some conspiracy theories that people are spouting off and, and there's like not good conversations still uh, spouting off around this conversation, but like, there definitely seems to be like a God moment right now in the NFL and in sports. I just want to know what you guys' thoughts. Uh, uh, f three and a half of us are big sports fans. Um, I just want to know, like, when you think about this situation with the NFL and prayer, what do you guys think about it? Wait, are Dell and I a half together? I would say I'm the half and Dell's the zero. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, for me on, on Monday night, when it actually happened, I, I texted you guys immediately. Andrew had, had texted me and I, my, my heart was just hurting like bad as a, as a sports fanatic, as someone who watches a ton. I mean, I, I, Andrew and I watch a lot of hours of sports every year. It's bad. Like you, you fall in love with the teams. You fall in love with these players. You know, the effort, the heart, the passion. I mean, you, you're talking about someone's entire lifetime dedicated to getting to that moment and watching DeMar go down like that. I mean, I immediately started praying. Steph could just tell that, like, I was not okay in that moment because I was just so concerned for this, you know, this dude. And then seeing the reaction from the world was like, 
Interesting. So it's it actually sparked a lot of what I felt was really healthy conversation this week around prayer, thoughts and prayer. What does that mean? And then it, it worked out really well for Lakeview, not going to lie, because we kicked off our series on prayer. So I was able to tie this into the sermon yesterday. But for me, it was, man, this I saw it generate a lot of great conversation. And I'm so, so thankful that we're seeing DeMar continue to improve. You know, and say what you will about the spiritual state of our country. I know there is a report came out, you know, that more and more people are are on the nevers list than ever before, uh, especially post-COVID, you know, whereas, you know, they they never attend church anymore or whatnot. But in the UEFA championship last summer in um, Europe, a Danish player, yeah. Chris, Erickson, Christian right? Eriksson, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, had a sim- similar thing where he just went – and now he didn't get hit in the chest, which is I think a, a very big difference because it doesn't matter what pads you're wearing. You know, an NHL player is taking a slap shot to the chest and caused a heart attack as well. Um, but uh, um, Christian Eriksson went down on the field in the U- UEFA championships um, with the same thing. They used the IED and they kind of um, – they uh, – did I say IED or A? <laughs> What a yeah, they did, what they, yeah, yeah, they 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 did not uh, they did not call in a um, drone strike on him. <laughs> That's can, I'm I, interested. I now. used to play a whole lot of uh, Call of Duty back in the day, um, but you know, they they used the AED on him and stuff, and they stopped the game for about an hour, and then they made him return to it, and they kind of got roasted for it, and as as a nation to be like, hey, we're going to value life over sport, and we're going to put prayer on. Public television now, not public access television, but you know what what we mean by that. You know, to have someone praying on ESPN is a big deal, and I think it sparked a lot of really good conversations. I saw a post that someone said, you know, at some point his mom's going to sit at the foot of his bed and let him know of all of the conversation, all the prayers and whatnot that have um, that was sparked because of this thing that happened to him, and you know you. You never know what God can use to start a a great awakening. And Lord willing, this could be the start of something. Wouldn't that be great? Totally if agree. Two years from now, we're saying, do you remember when yeah. all this conversation started over a football player? That'd be wonderful. What's interesting to me is like, um, you know, you were talking about uh, soccer, Andrew. And I mean, I was thinking of... Uh, uh, Sergio Aguero, who's a was a player in mm-hmm. Argentina, he played for Manchester City as well. And when he was in ba- Barcelona, he went down similarly. Uh, he didn't have full cardiac arrest, but he ended up retiring. Um, I think the reason it's so shocking to us is that, and I'm I'm thinking mainly in like Western modern culture, sport is sort of a a cultural, um, you know, like a, a pressure valve for us where we can kind of escape reality. Some sports, especially football, are really almost simulated warfare. That's, I mean, that's the roots of rugby and football is like you're simulating like taking yep. land and stuff. But so it's this it's sort of this gladiator culture, but the threat of death is actually removed from it. We don't we don't actually take it that far. We don't fight to the death anymore. And so our cultures are really built around, if you even think about it as a pastor, our cultures are really built around avoiding death. We, you know, we don't have sick people in our homes anymore. They go to the hospital. Old people who are near death, they go to nursing homes. We don't have cemeteries by the church anymore. We have it out somewhere far away from us. So we're like removed from death all the time. We don't talk about it. We don't, you know, if it comes up on TV, it's like, oh, that's morbid and weird. 
And so when this kind of thing happens, I think what it does is it just like kind of shoves it in our face that you can't escape it and it can just kind of appear out of nowhere anywhere. Um, so to me, that's why I think it's such a shock for people. When you're watching a sporting event, there's nowhere in your mind that you're thinking somebody might die doing this. And almost all the time that's true. But in the back of our minds, we all know that it actually could happen. And then you see something like this where it really almost did. And I think that's why it's so shocking for us and such a like it's so jarring. And then all this response sort of shows us there is this there is this, you know, Ecclesiastes three eternity written on our hearts, you know, Jesus shaped hole in our heart, however you want to say it in people. And so for all the critiques we have of like Christendom and Christianizing culture, I think it is interesting that this is one of the sort of leftover things where people still have this like thing in them. Even saying thoughts and prayers is attached to sort of Christian Christianized culture in some way. And so, you know, there's a part of me that says, like what Andrew said, amazing. There's also a cynical part of me that's like, yeah, but I mean, public prayers isn't necessarily what matters. What matters is the, the private prayers that are happening in people's hearts. But maybe the one leads to the other. So, I mean, you know, if God uses this, even if God uses this just in the life of Damar Hamlin, you know, that would be amazing. Uh, and then from there, you know, who knows who's touched by this. But I just, it's real interesting. It's kind of as interesting as, you know, hearing um, Hark the Herald in the mall and like this Trinitarian deep theology just like in a public place that it normally wouldn't. So, yeah, I was... I was really shocked too. I mean, even my wife was like, I turned it on when you guys sent the, when we were texting and even she's been asking me, Hey, how's that football player doing? So like even people that are, have no reference to football, don't even care at all about watching the sport, care about the humanity of it. And I think that's partly because, you know, like I said, we all know we're going to die and we don't expect to see that when we're watching these things. And then there it is. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of, um, there's that phrase, there's no atheists in foxholes. Um, yeah, it's like, it, it, there's something interesting about how, like, in this tragedy, like, I know Tim said, I hope they're praying to the one true God. And, like, yeah, I hope that's true, too. Either way, there is this semblance of, like, as woke as we want to say culture is getting and as, like, liberal and progressive or whatever, they're, like, all three of those people at the NFL Live studio, like, I don't know where any of them, like, I don't know if Dan's a believer. I mean, I'm to be bold enough to pray on television seems to me that like there is enough of some sort of faith to say I'm gonna do a career risk and pray on sta- on, on stage. You know what I'm saying? But like I don't know that woman or the uh, the other guy where they are on their faith, and they all just bow their head and close their eyes and pray. And I know like from playing football, I've been in countless like in like 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 the Titans and Jaguars game. I've been in countless times where there's been a ton of players on their knees praying, and I know that like though some of those players don't believe in the Lord. But there, you have to think that there's something about, like, I, I forget what passage it is where, like, um, a tower fell on the Bible and it, like, killed, like, a couple people. And, and like, Jesus uses that as an illustration of, like, hey, life is short. Like, don't focus on them. Focus on where you are in eternity. And it's, like, God uses these tragedies to, like, wake us up and to, to challenge us. And, and I don't know. I mean, like, ever since, I, I always say this, ever since, like, I want to say it was like the 2002, 2003 um, NCAA National Championship when Willis McGahee broke his knee on TV. Like it was like the most morbid knee injury 
I've ever seen on like on any football game I've ever seen. And like, but as an I Ohio did, State fan, it was wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's terrible. He, that's terrible. McGa- he he was the he was the first person to take an insurance policy out on his knee in college. He was like the first college athlete to be like, "Yeah, I'll play in the game, but I'm taking insurance out on my knees." And he got paid because of it. And then he played yeah. like 15 years in the NFL. McGay, he's fine. Don't feel bad for him. Go Bucks. Okay. Oh I bet he has arthritis gosh. though. <laughs> the the point is, see, like like the ACL injuries are the most common injury in the NFL or in, in football in general. Um, beyond that, like for the past 20 years, we've been more and more aware of like CTE and like yeah. how like. All, like I worry about my own brain after playing. I mean, dude, this... Tagovailoa right now. It's like, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I played six years of football, and I'm like nervous of like what my brain is like in a decade or so. But like, I think of, uh, I just think of like, you, you know, this stuff is tragic, and this stuff is like really hard. But like, it's just fascinating to see. I don't know. It's like it said that the bills believe in prayer like the coach of the bills said that or something like i think here here's what's interesting frank what you're saying is like why is it that dan or like if dan orlovsky comes on and starts praying on any other broadcast just because he's a christian and i just want to pray it people are going to be like what are you doing this is weird but because that because it was almost death it gives him it, it like we give because i think nobody like you said doesn't matter how woke you are how progressive you are doesn't matter how utopian you are, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Like like you you have no answer for death. And so like when that like interrupts our life, I think we just all of us instinctively know like I I have no answer for this. So I think you you know, guys like Orlovsky and everybody saying thoughts and prayers and it's all accepted because nobody really has what are they gonna say, you know? Nobody has an answer for that because we don't know how to deal with death. You know, an, another really cool moment from this whole thing was the Bills. Uh, they returned the opening kickoff of the game yesterday for a touchdown. Yeah, and you know the sideline. You know, people people were in tears and everything. And then uh, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, at a you know press game conference, his statement was, "I just kept telling everybody on the team, wow, God, you know, God is real. God is real. I mean, you know, there's you don't know where he is spiritually, and you have no idea what convictions he may have, but." Mm. You know, if if God can speak through a donkey, he can certainly f- speak through a football game, right? Yeah. I I certainly think that like there's, I guarantee you, there's probably players in that Bills team at least who are close to him, who are not like I, you. You better believe that there's like chaplains for the Bills that have showed up since then, and like people are like like realizing, man, I'm 26 years old, 25 years old. I'm a millionaire. I thought like life is easy. Like I got this. And like I could die on the field any second. Like it's gonna it's gonna change some people. Yeah. And I and I don't know. I just there's just something fascinating about this culture because it's like, you know, I love what you said, Jeff. It's like there's no cancel culture when death is evident. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't you can't cancel Dan. Like uh, it, it's just it's just very different. It's just there's something interesting about this. So, but hey, let's uh, <clears throat> let's change the subject really quick. Um, there is this. Uh, I'm gonna just try to set this up because I don't want us. This is gonna be like really low hanging fruit for us if uh, if I just let just the the actual recording play and with no context. Oh, me and Della ready to smash this guy already. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Um, uh, wait, what's the guy's name? I forgot. Uh, J- Jamal Bryant. Jamal Bryant. Stop. 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 <laughs> Don't All say right. it. <laughs> I think he's a pastor of a church in Atlanta or in Georgia Doubt at it. least. And um, 
a couple weeks ago, he got famous because he is either his church is the largest landowning church in Georgia, or it's the largest landowning church, black church in Georgia. I forgot how he phrased it. And he made this controversial statement about how he wants to um, like be a dispensary. He wants to grow weed on his property, even though like I don't think weed is legal in Georgia. But that's not the point. He wants to do that because he wants to teach his people about you know investments and property and all those other stuff. That's, it's kind of nonsense. Here's the point where it gets crazy. He's on this... Uh, this uh, podcast YouTube show with this woman and um, this woman sets up this question that bro, like, like this is the stuff pastors dream of. This woman says, Hey, I grew up religious. My mom, which is, I was more in church. I used to go to church. I stopped going to church. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Like that's everybody, right? I'm spiritual now. Um, and she just says to him, like she respects him. Like if you listen to the podcast up to that point, she's like, on every word this man says. She says, what do you have to say to me? And his first words are something like, I would tell you, you were a part of the largest demographic of African Americans in America. And I'm just like, bro, you, I, like, I, I don't know. I, like, that could have been good if he like followed up with the gospel. But then he starts going on this tangent about how kind of the church right now is um, not relevant for people like her. And so there's this clip that I want to play, and I just want to kind of get your feedback and thoughts. The Bible says we die from a lack of knowledge. So the stuff that was applicable for your grandmother means nothing to you. Uh, and so I said, I had a Zoom with all of my singles just this week, is that for me to tell 16-year-olds to be celibate is one thing. A 37-year-old who's used to getting some I need a different kind of gospel. Yeah. So the church ain't telling me nothing about sex toys. They ain't saying nothing about the church telling me to be celibate, but my gynecologist is saying something got to happen down there because your stuff shutting down. Yeah. So we got to have real gospel for grown-ups. I'm about to go to me. I'm about to go to Newburgh. <laughs> I'm going to Newburgh on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So I, it, the church is not relatable yeah. uh, to our generation and down. All right. So I can't. I, I can't hear the clip, but I'm just looking at Tim and Andrew's reactions, and it's cracking me up. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, a new kind of gospel, a new gospel, right? A, a, a new gospel for grownups. What do you guys have thought? Did you say a, new, a nude kind of gospel? Nude kind of gospel. <laughs> nude kind of gospel. There, there, it is. Is. there we are. okay with that. <laughs> Give me your you feedback, know, the, guys. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure that uh, this is real clear. If you preach any other type of gospel, you're supposed to be anathema, right? So, like, based on the only thing that, oh, my gosh, it's so many levels. Go ahead, Andrew. I'm processing it. Um, I don't know if it was in the book, The New Rules of Love, Sex, and Dating, that Andy Stanley did a, a couple years ago, or if it was a, a sermon illustration of his. But he told a story at some point about how he was um, – you know, teaching at youth group and was talking about God's plan for sex and abstinence. And afterwards, like a 26 year old, you know, middle school girl, small group leader came up to him and said something to the point of like, that's just for like teenagers though. Right. And in that moment, he, you know, he knew that she was a fair, fairly new Christian. You know, she was like a, a piggyback, you know, tr she was in training to be a small group leader and he, had no idea, you know, what to say to this 
fairly new Christian trying to serve the church. And what came out of his mouth was, when has sex outside of marriage ever made your life or any relationship better? And which was the the right thing to say in that situation. He you know said he saw the light bulb go off. But I think what people need is to to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and that Jesus will love you and save you as, exactly as you are. But to think that he's going to leave you where you are is nonsense and is antithetical to the gospel. And any gospel that allows for sinful behavior, whether it be sexual sin, whether it be financial sin, you name it, is is not the kind of gospel any church should be promoting. So I I cringe all over when I hear this, but again, I'm not trying to use the back 40 of my church to grow weed either. I think the biggest thing for me, I mean, this is a small clip, and you know, I want to be as absolutely generous as I possibly could be. Maybe by a new kind of gospel, he meant a new way to share the gospel. I guess it doesn't seem that, but I'm going to be generous, right? Here's the issue. The biggest issue I have is like when somebody asks you like, hey, I'm not in church right now. I think I'm spiritual. Obviously, they're kind of exploring. What would you say to me? Just say, follow Jesus like that. (laughs) Don't start with some whatever sin you want to start with. There's no list of cleanup stuff you got to do first, and then co- it's the other way around. Like, follow Jesus first, and then we'll get to this stuff in your discipleship to Jesus. That's the issue. That's the main issue I have. And then, you know, the whole the church is irrelevant thing. Like, I mean, I kind of understand that. I mean, obviously, you know, we have opinions about styles of music and the way we do services and blah blah blah. But at the same time, I mean, Tim, you're almost you know testament to something that's kind of an old thing. A, a, what feels maybe weird to us from our church tradition, doing a prayer thing like that in a service. And that really has and nothing to do with relevance. if the church is irrelevant, then why do we just spend the last half hour talking about the nation praying yeah. over a football player? You know, if the, if the church is so irrelevant and if the Christian faith is so irrelevant, then why has prayer been discussed more this week than any time in the past decade? I could, I could hear John Piper saying, the church is irrelevant. You're irrelevant. <laughs> you know, like uh, the Bible's not boring. Right. You're I mean, we're boring. not trying to be. We're not trying to like make Jesus look cool to people who want nothing to do with him. It's like it doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. This um, guy... So yeah, that part of it w- with this clip is like I'm just I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the whole we need to be relevant and talk about different things. Um, you know. Now, having said that, if you want to talk about the sexual ethics thing, it is interesting how different age groups like think that they're like exempt from this sometimes that is that is true and it is true that i think for because all of us are you know pretty young we we like we don't have the perspective of being a 60 year old who's single um and what is that how and does we also ethics... grew up in purity culture youth groups yeah absolutely so we have a very narrow idea of how to like have this conversation and i think we have and I say this coming from that same culture, Andrew, it, we've we've connected those dots too closely, like the gospel and you entering the kingdom and your sexual ethics are too closely tied together. Absolutely, Jesus has sexual ethics, but those are for disciples, not for would-be converts. You know, the thing is, I just go back to the verse, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it for anything? 
Yeah. And this guy is so not salty. You know, his entire response, it began with, well, welcome to the average black community. And then he took it right over to, to let's talk about sexual ethic. Like all of his um, gospel, as he was referring to it, worldview, hinges on these things that have nothing to do with the gospel. Like in that entire thing, he, he never mentioned Jesus. He never mentioned the cross. He never mentioned sin. He never mentioned repentance. He never mentioned righteousness, unrighteousness, like nothing that has to do with the gospel. All of what he says is gospel is pinned to nothing that Jesus says is the gospel. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest fights we I mean, have to, going to me, to us. be cynical, to, to be cynical, I think he got what he was looking for when the lady, when the hostess reacted like, oh, I'm coming to your church. Like, yeah. that's what that's all about. It's being yeah. seen as a cool pastor who, oh, you're not, you're not such a fundamentalist like I thought, instead of just saying, it's well, I mean, what would I say to you? I'd say, follow Jesus. And then from there, he's going to reveal to you the things that he wants to, you know, clean out of you after you come to him. But yeah, it's after you come to him, not before. Who, who was she drawn to in his conversation, him or Jesus? And I That's think that good. reveals everything That's that good. that man is about. I think the only pastor he's shepherding, he's shepherding a bunch of goats. And I think he needs to repent, you know, because <laughs> oh, and I think for us, like, I mean, I, I mean, hold up. What's it? it was a two big, minute clip to be. Yeah, to be honest, I know. But so. like but in the big context of thing, like where I take this to me, practically speaking, is like I always have to be shepherding my own heart to see what I'm trying to get people to gravitate toward. Like like even bring it down from like the high level where he just was like, how many decisions do I make? How many things do I say that's just trying to make me look a certain way? Right. Like that's really convicting to me because he's at the bottom of the slope, but we're all the slope slippery. And the second we take our eyes off the main thing, um, it becomes like for this guy, it became like who you identify, how you identify sexually, how you identify with race. But like it's it's everything, how you identify in politics, how do you identify like these are all the things that the world wants us to identify with. And as pastors, one of our jobs is to help people not place their full identity in anything created by man. Like there, our identity should be in the creator and not the creation. And his entire his entire response has went back to creation. It never went to creator. And I just think that's just not pastoral. And I think that's something that we all have to be conscious in our own self about. Yeah, for yeah, me, I, I, um, I, I, we've seen this before. I, I don't know the guy. Never heard him preach. Never attended his church. So preface it with that, but this feels a little bit like shock jock preaching culture, which we've seen many, many times. We've lived Absolutely. through this, the early to mid two thousands, it became cool to start doing things like this. And it's been a little while. So are we going to see a resurgence of stuff like this? Yeah. Like it's inevitable. We're going to see Probably. stuff like this. Does it feel like a, like a money grab, like a, like a, a try to, you know, get some attention grab. Sure. It, it definitely felt like that. I agree with where you guys are coming from, but I'm also just stepping back and saying, man, is this is this just someone trying to get their voice heard so they know if they talk extreme that it's going to be heard? Maybe. I like that. I like that callback by using the word resurgence. Nice. <laughs> nice. It was subtle. You saw that. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I I think like the big the big like I I listen to a bunch of the of this podcast. Unfortunately, I wanna I wanna kind of diminish Delmar's like passion, calling everyone in his church goats, but. I will say that uh, even from this clip, I think it's 
I think you guys do have a proper uh, perspective on the kind of uh, personality that this man has in terms of what his aim is and from this interview of what he's trying to do. Especially just like from the two big things he's known for right now. A sexual, a new sexual ethic for people who are over 30 and then growing weed in his church. It's just like, what are two things that like would be obviously insane for a pastor to say and let's let's talk about it with such confidence to get like um late later millennials and gen zers to like jump on that train you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just it's kind of nonsense my thing is it's like when i like i can't tell you how many times i've like pastor folks who are like in their 30s who are single and like you know, we'll have a conversation about like um, membership or a conversation about getting married at the church. Let's do getting married at the church. We have a rule that um, if you want to get married at the church, you can't live with each other. And uh, I think that like, you know, if we have any kind of uh, premarital class at our church, I would say more than half of them are living with each other. And that could be a culture of Milwaukee. Um, I don't know what it's like in, in where you guys are, but like uh, I've had to have these conversations and Almost every single time when it, when I when I get to the point of like, hey, what would it take for you guys to move out? What would it take for one of you to move out or to create some sort of accountability or, or something like that? Um, it kind of always gets to a point of just like, you know, they'll say it's a financial reason or they'll say something like that. But like, it, it's it's difficult for them to move out for whatever reason. And it, it seems like that idea of, oh, abstinence is a thing you tell middle schoolers and high schoolers. But the moment you're in your 20s, especially when you're in your 30s and 40s, especially if you've been married before, uh, man, like that's a that's a that's a that's a, a comfortable. What's a word for it? Like a, a sin that we can just kind of ignore because it's like, what what do you expect me to do? Like, I got to have sex. I've had it. I've tasted and saw that it was good. Like, I want more of it. And it's like, um, like, I don't know, it, it, even when you preach from you know, the stage of, like, God's biblical sexual ethic, it seems like that's the one conversation where they're like, that's the pastor being old, you know, or archaic and not, like, hip to the times. I, I mean, I kind of like, I when, when, when Andrew was about to quote Andrew, Andy Stanley, I was like, oh, no, where is this going to go? But, like, Andy kind of brought it. Like, that's kind of a good point. Like, when has sex outside marriage ever been helpful for your relationship? Like, that's such a practical, like, well, almost a like religious that's the statement. angle. Right, yeah. it's like the, God's law isn't given to you so He can just be mean. Like He's He's trying to lead you into something better, right? So, like yeah. that angle of like when has this ever been, actually been beneficial is is true. All yeah. we're saying is like, hey, I, I don't remember who's. I think probably heard it from John Mark Comer quoting somebody else. But if you rub the universe in the wrong direction, you get splinters. Wow. Right, like so. But that's true with anything. It's yeah. not just sexual ethics that that's true with, although that's an important one for us right now. Well, well all these topics are, are like, interesting. Um, I I have the link of the whole podcast in the show notes. If you click it, it goes straight to the time clip of where I have this clip from. Uh, I would encourage you to listen to the context. Don't be weird. Don't, like, go in the comments of that lady and be like, <laughs> this is a wolf and, like, you know – Say stuff like that. Just, I mean, dude is stylish, though. I'm going to give him that. He's a fresh dude. He's a fresh dude. He's styling. But, um, Theology, bad. Style, good. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it always like that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't the... know. Tim's got both. 
Yeah, Tim. Tim is a Tim is a rare month man. Where he has both. Um, I don't know where I Andrew that, Bell went, but um, we're gonna. Andrew wrap this up. Andrew is doing all things pastoral. Someone stopped in the office to talk to the pastor, and he's doing his job. Priorities, baby. Good, Priorities. Good. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just assume that Dell either is doing that or he's taking care of his kids. Yeah, he said his kids woke up. Priorities. Can y'all not hear me? So I'm, yeah, I respect right both here. guys. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Well, we I got. Hope they, I hope they hear us sure. say that. We got we yep. got um, some pastoral duties to do after this, so let's wrap up the show. Thanks for joining us. Go on the Facebook group. If you have questions, you can ask in the Facebook group, or if you go to show notes, you can leave us a voicemail, and um, we can put it directly on the show. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Hey, we look forward to, uh, to hearing from you and uh, seeing you next week. My name is Frank. My name is Jeff. Delmar said he was still here. You there? I'm I'm here. I don't hear but yeah. Oh, okay. He's Delmar uh, Pete. He's Andrew <laughs> Larson, and I'm Timothy Miller. Nice. And, and this is practically pastoring. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better. All right, and we all set.